Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. Open your Bibles, if you would, uh, to the book of Romans in chapter number four. Romans chapter number four is where we're going to read tonight, and I'm going to speak to you. Uh, in, this, in, in these scriptures here, the subject that is covered is the subject of faith. And the illustration that God is going to use or the example will be Abraham. And so we'll read that in, in Romans chapter 4 and verse number 13. Romans chapter 4 will begin in verse number 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us now? I thank you for the joy and the privilege of being here and standing behind this pulpit. Thank you for this church. God, thank you for what you're doing here in Moses Lake. And Father, I do pray Uh, For your comfort and grace upon the Fountain family, I pray that tomorrow Jesus would be high and lifted up. And I pray that that, uh, uh, you might, um, Lord, just uh, receive glory and honor from a life of a man who walked by faith and lived by faith. And I I pray that you would just bless. And and then in this service, do thy work, and, and we'll give you the glory and the praise for all of it, dear Lord. For we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Now, I'm going to talk with you, as I said, on the subject of faith tonight. I'd like to go out. Uh, it's, it's not very far on, on a limb to suggest to you that from this pulpit and from any other pulpit of any other Bible preaching church that you've never heard one single message that did not, in some form or fashion, either directly or indirectly, deal with the subject of faith. It, it permeates the Christian life. There's no way as believers that we can escape the subject of faith, um, because from the very beginning, the Bible says, for, for by grace are you saved through faith, uh, and it's, it's not of yourselves, it's not of works, it's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. And so the very beginning, the day that I was born as a 
12-year-old into the family of God back in Savannah, Georgia when second baseman from the New York Yankees came and gave his testimony and a 12-year-old boy sitting out there trusted Jesus Christ. That beginning in my life was not of works. It wasn't anything I could do to earn heaven. There was nothing I could do uh, to, to merit God's good grace. It was simply by me placing my faith in Jesus Christ, and, and because of that, I became a part of God's family. And then the Bible says in Romans eleven twenty that we're to stand by faith. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says that we're to walk by faith. And then four times in the Bible, it says that the just shall live by faith. And so from the very beginning to the very end, everything in our Christian life is, is impacted by this idea of faith. Now, I've been in Idaho for going on 16 years. In just a few weeks, it'll be 16 years. And when, when, when God began to work on my heart to leave my comfort zone, you know, I grew up in Georgia. I'm a Georgia boy. And, and I was pastoring there and working there all of my ministry, except for the time I was in college. And when God began to move on my life to go across country and, and plant a church at the age of 50 in Idaho, um, uh, you know, I, I, I really, I had been here. I loved the area. I thought it was a great idea, but I wanted God to be more specific. So my mentality was sort of like this. It was sort of like, you know, God, I think that's a great idea. And I, I, look, I'm all in on this adventure and I love Idaho and you know, I'm ready to do that if that's what you want. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave a pen and paper out. And if you will fill out how this is going to work and show me, you know, particularly the finances, you know, if, if you could help us with that. So, so my wife will know how we're going to eat. And, and so you know, when we walk away from our church and our paycheck and everything else that we've got that's secure, could, could you just show me how it's going to work? Because I've got kids going to move out with me, and that means that they're going to get married out there. Could you tell me who they're going to marry? And, and could, could, you, could, you, could you let me know about my grandkids? And just could you sort of draw it out for me? Just map it out, and I'll look at it, and I'll sign it. But you know, God never did that. He never did that. I don't know if you know Jim Rushing. Brother Rushing is a great, just a great friend of mine, preached for me so many years. He came one time and said, Brother Dean, I want, to, I want to take you out to eat. So we went out to eat, and, and he and I were talking, and I was telling him what God was doing in my life, and he said to me this. He said, he said Brother Dean, what you need to do is you need to, you need to play checkers with God. Well, I thought, you know, he's getting up in age, and, and I'm, you know, sometimes the gray matter fades, and, and his is fading rapidly. So I'm I'm, I said, Doc, what are you talking about, play checkers? with?" He said, have you ever played checkers? I said, yeah, but not with God. So I don't, I don't know where you're at with this. And, and so he said, okay, if you play checkers, you know that the, you're, you, the person across the table from you makes a move. And then you make a move in correspondence to what they've done. And they're not going to move again until you make your move. And he said, so the way that I see this thing is that God has already made his move. He's called you, you know what he wants you to do, and now you're asking him to show you his next 10 moves in your life, and he's not going to do that. You've got to respond to the call of God and the move that God's made in your life, and then when you take that step of faith, then God will bless and God will work. Well, that's exactly what I did, and that's exactly what God did. I didn't have meetings set up. I didn't have money coming in. I had no support. But once I took that step of faith and, 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 and began to walk by, fight, uh, by faith in, our, in, in uh, God's call in my life, I want to tell you something. God began to respond. Here's the truth of the matter. You're like me. We're made out of flesh. And because we're made out of flesh, we want to walk by sight. I mean, show me. You know, Missouri's the show me state. Show me. 
You know, I went to college there. They didn't show me a lot. But anyhow, show me, you know. And, 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 and our desire, our desire is, is to walk by, by uh, uh, sight, not by faith. And yet that's, that's not how God works. Now, I want to tell you this. Listen to me. God is not going to allow you to stay put spiritually. That, that's the thing about God. In fact, the Bible says, it's a pretty strong verse if you think about this. Just think about the verse, Romans chapter 14 and verse number 23. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now, I wouldn't have written that. I mean, I would have, I would have cushioned that a little bit. That's pretty hard. So if it's not of faith, it's sin. Well, you know, if it's not of faith, it's faithless. No, no, that's not what he said. If it's not of faith, it's sin. And so God takes this matter of faith very seriously. And here's the reality of the matter. God, God wants to stir you from where you are because where you are, you can become comfortable in. Now, I'm not suggesting that God's going to move you from Washington to Georgia. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that God's moving your life is going to be just like God's moving my life where God... God moved me geographically all the way across the country to a different state and somewhat of a different culture. And, uh, you know, you can't get grits here unless you go to Cracker Barrel. And, and, and there's no ball peanuts and good night. I mean, come on. What's wrong with that? But anyhow, so, so it's, you know, there's some different things. I'm not saying God's going to move you like that. But I'm going to promise you this. I'm going to promise you that God will stir you. You ever go to a, you know, talking about missions conference, you go to a missions conference and the Lord moves on your heart to give a certain amount. You're like, man, this is great. And you and your wife are excited. It's a step of faith. This is wonderful. Yes, God led us to do this. He gave us the number. It's great. And you, you just go through that for a couple of years. And you're like, this is good. You know what happens at the next missions conference? God taps you on the shoulder. And he says, I want you to add to that. And you're like, wait a minute, I just... Wait, and, and you and your wife talk, we, we, just, we just did this two years ago. What's God doing? He's increasing your faith. Listen, wherever you are, that's where God wants to stretch you from. He wants to stretch you. He, he, he wants to stretch your faith. It may, be, it, may be, it may be a teenager that God's just stretching to get involved, to get a part of, to help out in the church. It may, be, it may be an adult here that God wants you to, uh, to, to take on a ministry and to get involved in a ministry. It doesn't have to be just financial. Really, you know where giving begins? It begins with giving of ourselves. If God has you, the wallet in your back pocket's his too. You know, and, and, and so the reality of the matter is our giving begins with, with putting ourselves on the altar or in the offering plate, so to speak. I'm giving God me. And if God's got me, everything that I've got is God's. And so God wants to stretch us. Listen to this first. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. For without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must, number one, believe that he is, and number two, must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So that's saying two things God requires. Number one, for us to come to God, we have to believe that God is who God said he is. In other words, that God keeps his promises. Number two, we, we, we have to believe that he's the rewarder. So there's the promises. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So here's the question. Do you believe that God is who God said he is? And number two, do you believe that God does what God says he'll do? That's what faith is all about. Faith is, faith is having trust in a person that they are who they are, they're genuine, they're real, and that they keep their promises. 
And so God says, if you're going to come to me, believe that I am and believe that I reward them, that I keep my promises. Now, it's really easy. I love Brother Paul Connor. I'm thankful I followed him over the years. I'm so grateful for what he's doing there. But you know, it's real easy for us to believe that God's going to do something at City Baptist. And I know, I know you've got, we would call it skin in the game. I know you support them, and so I know you're invested in them. But he's on the spot doing the work, winning the souls. He's going through the struggles. He's having the hardship. So it's really easy sometimes for us to sit back at a distance and say, man, I believe God's going to bless Brother Paul. It's easy for me to sit in, 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 in the Treasure Valley of Idaho and say, I believe God's blessing Dennis and Hannah Fountain. Man, I, I just, look, I'm excited about what God's doing at Moses Lake. But I, it's really easy for me to believe that God's going to work in the life of a missionary or, or, or a friend that's out of college somewhere. It's easy for me to have faith that God's going to work in somebody else's life. Sometimes it's hard for me to believe that God's going to do it in my life. I'm talking about personal faith. It's easy for me to come and say, well, God is who God said he is for Dennis. God is who God said he is, you know, for Brother Paul. But my question is, is God who God said he is for Dean? Does God keep his promises to Dean? Okay, that's really where it all boils down to. Now, I want to, I want to show you something. First of all, I want you to notice the object of faith. So look with me in verse number 17. We're still in Romans chapter 4. That's where we're going to stay. Romans chapter 17, let's read it, all right? As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, watch this, even, what's the next word? God, okay, even God. I want you to circle that word God, okay? So are you ready for this? This is, so, this is astounding. Are you not amazed? Okay, you're not. All right, so say with me. Just think, think about the stunning truth that I'm teaching here, okay? This is amazing. Do you know who our faith should be in? God. You're saying, preacher, are you kidding me? I came to church tonight. That's a duh, okay? You know? Are you, okay, I came tonight for you to tell me I should have faith. But, but really, honestly, why is it that we trust everything else? You know, why, why trust God when you got Visa and MasterCard, you know? Discover. You know, God's plastic sometimes. And we have a need in our life rather than go to God, we just recharge it, man. Or now you can tap them or just wave at it, you know, and it's paying. I mean, people are like, I went, to, I went today and she said, you can, what'd she say, tap it? I don't know. All this kind, I don't know. Anyhow, it's sort of like a, a and, and you're, paying, you're paying your stuff. My son-in-law's got all, Chad, Chad's got all that down. And he thinks it's cool. Idiot, it's not cool. I just... Plug it in. What's the, who cares if it's two feet away? You plug it. Doesn't matter to me. But he he's proud of all that kind of stuff. Well, well, the the reality the reality of of the matter is so many times so many times God is our last resort. Now I want you to think about this. Let me, let me give you this. In Georgia, when you go to a prayer meeting, sometimes when you're way out in the rural country, when when they when people pray, their voice sort of quakes a little bit. I don't know why. It's just a cultural thing. So somebody will come up to me and they'll say, Preacher, when they do that, I'm like, oh boy, their voice is, it's got the shimmy in it. They're serious. And they'll come up and they'll say, Brother Dean, yes, all we got left now is God. I'm like, really? Wow. You're in bad shape. You've whittled it down. 
You just ain't got nothing left but God? I mean, I'm, you know, I want to step back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me, let me. Was that the God that spoke the worlds in existence? Is that the God that hung the stars in their silvery sockets and, 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 and keeps them in place? Is that the God that all the planets and all the orbits and all the universe, they're, they're there by his power? And is, is it the God that parted the Red Sea, the God, the, the God that spoke man into existence, the God that gave sight to the blind and, and, and raised the dead, and the God that healed the leper, and the, 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 the God of, of, of miracles, the God that brought Jesus from? Is that the God you're talking about? Well, you're, why is he last resort? Why do we say all I have left now is God? Or, here's another way of doing it, all we can do now is pray. That's a pretty good starting point. Prayer, prayer, really, prayer really shouldn't be the last resort. Prayer, prayer should be the starting point. And, and so here's Abraham, and the Bible said uh, uh, that, the, that the object of Abraham's faith was even God. And so our faith is only as valid as its object in. I... I um, uh, I, I remember a, a story a while back about a guy in Minnesota that he and his son ice skated a lot, and and I, I'll never forget I'll never forget the story. They were it was a, it was toward the end of the season, and his son said, "Dad, let's go let's go ice ice skating again." So they, you know, they went out on a lake, and it was it was toward the end of the season. They weren't going to be able to skate much longer, and they strapped their skates on and got out on the ice. And his father, son, day man, they're having a great time. And the dad told the story as he was skating around. He heard something behind him, and he spun around just in time to see the ice breaking beneath his son. And as his son screamed out to his father to help him, he fell beneath the frigid waters of that, of that Minnesota lake, and his dad could not reach him. And I remember his father's cry, and his father's cry was this, if I had known, if I had just known that the ice, if the ice was thin, I, we never would have gone. And his son died. You know why? Because the father had great faith in thin ice. I don't care how much faith you've got. It's only as valid as the object that you place it in. And so here's a man with great faith. But look what he was placing on. You know what we deal with, uh, uh, preacher, so many times we're dealing with, with false religions. we got Mormonism all over. It's great faith. Both my neighbors was great faith. But it's in, it's in thin ice. It, it, there's no validity to it because it doesn't matter how much faith you have. If the object is not worthy of it, it, it can't hold you up. I was preaching one time in, in uh, Indiana. We we're sitting at a place, and, and he said, Would you like to, the pastor said, Would you like to walk across the lake to the shops? And there's some nice shops over there. And I'm from Georgia. Look, I, look we, 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 normally we just don't walk on water. Frozen, <laughs> wet, I mean, it doesn't matter. We just don't normally walk on. So I said to him, I, what? He said, you want to just walk across the lake? There's some shops over there. I said, brother, I don't walk on, I don't do that. You know, one day I will. I'm going to walk on water in the millennium. And I'm also going to climb Mount Everest without oxygen. I want to make that statement right now. I'm stepping out. I will climb Mount Everest without oxygen. But anyhow... So I, I said, I'm not walking across that. You get a four-wheel drive with, with a logging chain and hap, wrap it around my waist. With the, with the four-wheel drive running, I might decide to walk out. I'm just not doing it, okay? But here's the reality of the matter. The reality of the matter is simply this. Even though I may have a little bit of faith, if the ice is thick enough, it's still going to hold me up. And, and so it's important that we realize that Abraham's faith was in God. And, and in, in this place... 
when, when God's moving this church and God's doing great things and you've got land and, and, and man, there's, a, there's, a, there's an excitement. This is, a, this is a pioneering movement. Can I tell you that, that we, we ought to keep our faith in God and know that God can do the things that we cannot do ourselves. Second thing I want you to notice is this, and that is that it's our knowledge of the object that determines. Now, think with what I'm saying. The knowledge of our object determines the volume of your faith. So how do you get more faith in God? That's, the, that's what I'm talking about. How do, you, how do you get more volume of faith? You learn more about God. You, don't, we, we, you, know, you can't bring it in like, like um, karma, okay? You, you can't just sit there and say, well, I'm going to really do some good things, and all of a sudden I was walking down the road and I got slapped upside the head with karma. That's not, that's not how you get faith. It's not even coming to an altar where everybody just strains and just, just, God, give me faith, give me faith, give me faith, give me faith. That's not how you get faith. You get faith by learning more about God who is the object of our faith. And the more we learn about God, the more we realize how trustworthy that, that he is. It's, it's so important. David, remember the story of David and Goliath? I love the story. I was in the Valley of Elah not, not too long ago before COVID hit and and, and uh, man, I, I love that because here, here's the deal. David walks down into a valley and, and uh, uh, you know, he's delivering cathead biscuits and sandwiches to his brothers. And, and sure enough, the, I mean, in God's timing, here comes a giant. He's just running his mouth, defying the armies of the living God. And, and so, um, uh, you know, David's like, who is this guy? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He's out running his mouth. Is somebody going to do something about this? Well, his older brother, who lived in the flesh, came out and rebuked him and said, look, I know the naughtiness of your heart. Go back and deal with the few sheep uh, daddy gave you and shut up, get out of here, leave. Can I tell you this? Faith always appears foolishness to people that are living in the flesh. Always. And so here's a kid trying to walk by faith. His older brother's living in the flesh, and so it appears foolishness to him. Rather than arguing with him, David did not answer him a single word. He just turned around and said, is there not a cause? So somebody goes to Saul and says to Saul, you you, you ought to at least hear. He's not much, but you ought to hear him out because he's talking big. So Saul calls him up, and he said, son, why in the world should I allow you to go fight the giant? He's been, a, he's, been, he's been fighting longer than you've been alive. And David said this, because two reasons. Two things I know about God. Number one, I was watching my daddy's sheep, and a bear came along. And there's no way a shepherd boy going to defeat a bear, but God Almighty gave me strength, and I slew the bear and protected the sheep. A little while later, same field, same place. Boy, I was watching my dad's sheep. And a lion came along, and the God that gave me the bear allowed me to beard the lion, and I slew the lion. And listen, David said, if God can give me a lion and God can give me a bear, God will give me that giant. And so David waded down into the valley. I mean, he picked up, he picked up you know, five stones from, from the creek there. And somebody said, why did he get five stones? Well, he, you know, Goliath had a mean aunt, a bad sister, a cousin that was, t- no, no, no. Why? Because God never said that one stone would slay him. Okay? Anybody can throw a stone, and in the South we call it hauling buggy. Okay? You can throw a stone and get out of Dodge. You know what I'm talking about? You know the little kid song, round and around and around. No, no, people that go round and around and around to a giant, you find them between giant toes. Okay? That's, just squash them. That's not what happened. You know what he did? He loaded, look, he had his clip ready. He had four. Put one put one in the chamber, 
let it go, and God leaned over his shoulder and went, and when he did, man, that thing hit hyperspeed, nailed him right between the eyes, he fell over dead. Why? Because David said, I learned something about God in the backfields with a lion and a bear that helped me face the giant. That's how you, that's how you increase the volume of your faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want to tell you, those boys learned who God was and that God had, he had already sustained them uh, in the diet that they were eating. So when they went to the furnace, they said, oh, king, we're not even careful. We're not worried about this. We don't have to take our time. This is a no-brainer. No, we're not bowing to your image. Well, why wouldn't the boys bow when everybody else was bowing? Because they had learned who God was and that God was trustworthy. I heard an evangelist give a story about preaching in Canada and uh, years ago, and he, 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 you know, back in those days, you preached um, um, Monday through Friday, Saturday. Judy, you remember these days. In fact, it used to be month-long revivals, you know. And, and then, then Saturday, you take Saturday off, and then Sunday, you finish up the meeting. And so this, they, you know, they finished up Friday night. He said, we got tomorrow off. We'll finish up on Sunday. Would you like to go with me to see Brother So-and-so? It was a guy that they had been to college with, and he was ministering to a... Uh, Indian reservation across the lake. And so the guy said, man, I haven't seen him since we were in college. I'd love to go. So they get in the pastor's Volkswagen bug. This was back in the early 70s. Up in the pastor's Volkswagen bug, and, and, and they start driving. They get about an hour into a two-hour trip, and the pastor asked him, he said, do you know where we are? And he said, well, yeah, we're going to see our buddy, brother so-and-so, he said, no, no, I know you know where we're going, but you know where we are right now. And he looked around, everything was white. And he said, I have no idea where we are. He said, there's not even any road signs out here. I don't know where, you're, where, where we're at. He said, we are dead center of the deepest lake in all of Canada. They've never found bottom to it. Now, first of all, I want to know who they is, okay? I'm tired of the they stuff. They never found bottom. Who's they? I don't trust they, unless you identify they. So they've never found bottom. By the way, that's been said about swimming holes in Georgia for years when I was a kid. Never found bottom. But anyhow, so, so, so you know, they, they've never found bottom here. So, so the, the evangelist looked at the pastor and said, you're kidding. And he said, no, I'm, I'm serious. We're, we're dead center. He said, are you kidding me? You've got me in a, in a car. We're driving over a lake. You're saying they've never found bottom two? And we're out. I mean, you didn't even ask me? And they were friends from college, so they're just jawing at each other. And he said, look, man, calm down. They say it's seven feet thick. Again, there's they. Okay? Who, found, who measured the thickness? And who swam so deep and said, nope, it ain't there. I, I can't find it. I don't know. So, so he got angry. And he said, look, I... I, you know, my love offering's depending on this relationship. So I, I better shut off. So he, he said, I just turned and looked out, the, I looked out the window. But he said, I said to myself, God, this guy's an idiot. Are you kidding me? I'm preaching for a moron. He's got me out in the middle of the deepest lake in all of Canada. Didn't have the grace to ask me. I, I, I can't believe we're here. And he said, I was actually trying to levitate off of the seat. So it was not to put weight on the Volkswagen. He said, all of a sudden, I heard a rumbling just coming up behind us. He said, my heart just started climbing. It was just trying to get out. It's clawing its way out. And he said, I, I knew what was happening. I knew exactly what was happening. The ice was splitting. Me and Pastor Dummy, we're going to find the bottom. 
We're going to find the bottom of the deepest lake in Canada, and it's going to close up. We'll be froze to death. My wife and kids will never go where I, know where I'm at. And he said, right when I just felt like I was going to burst, he said, right past us when a semi-rig. <laughs> Blue dust, snow dust everywhere. And he said, my jaw dropped. I watched that semi-rig disappear into the distance. I looked at the preacher. I said, <laughs> did you see that? Did you see that? And the preacher said, brother, I told you. He said, I just started bouncing up and down on the seat, just having a great time. You know what happened to him? The volume of his face was, was increased by the knowledge. The more he learned, when he learned the ice could hold up a semi-rig, he knew it was no problem for the Volkswagen. So reading our Bible is really important. Our prayer time, wait a minute, our coming to church time, those are all important. They're bread and butter things. But you know what bread and butter things do? It increases our faith. So that when we face difficulties and hardships in life and challenges, I want to tell you God's able to do some great things. Notice verse number 17 again. Let me show you two things Abraham knew about God. Verse number 17, it, it, it says, even God who quickeneth the dead. God, Abraham knew that God could bring dead things alive. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about finances. I'm talking about difficulties. And then he knew also that he called those things which be not as though they were. Do you know there was a time in Moses Lake, there was no Moses Lake Baptist Church? Sure you do. What did God do? He brought something out of nothing. In Cuna, Idaho, there are people down there getting saved. We baptized down at, on the Snake River a couple of weeks ago, 11 people that had, had put their faith and trust in Christ. And, and, and there was a time in Cuna, Idaho, there was nothing there. And now there's a church there that's reaching people and loving people. What did God do? God brought something out of nothing. And only God can do that. Notice, third of all, the obstacles that, that, that faith overcame. I love this, verse number 19. Look, look with me in verse number 19 again. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Physiologically, he was beyond the, the, the age of, of bringing children into this world, and Sarah was barren. And rather, listen, rather than viewing himself as a, uh, uh, viewing his situation as an obstacle, he viewed it as an opportunity. In everything you see in life, you're going to look at obstacle or opportunity. This will keep me from being and doing what God wants me to do. Or this is an opportunity for God to do something great in these circumstances. Let me tell you this. You remember, you remember when the disciples were there and Jesus said, uh, there's a lot of people here, how are we going to feed them? And Philip said, uh, first of all, we don't have the food. Second of all, if we had the food, we don't have the money. There's no place... You know, there's, there, there's no Cracker Barrel. There's no, there's no restaurant nearby. We, we can't feed all these people. And then Jesus said, well, what do you have? Well, I've got a few fish. This kid's got a few fish, a few loaves. Just a lad, just a little, just the Lord. And God took it and blessed it. Can I tell you this? Sometimes God will present us with a dilemma that we cannot overcome. It's bigger than we are. It's greater than our expectations. And when you get to the place where, where you are where you can't, you have just arrived at where God can. What God's waiting on us to say is, I can't. 
No, no, as long as we can handle it, as long as we can muscle it, as long as we can force it, as long as we can do it our way rather than faith in him, then, then, then God's going to let us do that. But when we come to the place and we say, Lord, we have no means. We cannot do this. There's no way we can feed these people. We have just arrived at where God can do what only God can do. There's a division of labor in the Bible that's clear, and that's this. I cannot do what God can do. God will not do what I can do. It's all through the Scripture. I, I, I can't do that. Only God can do that. God is saying, I've given you this to do. I won't do that. And so, so in, in the areas of our life where we can't, that's where God can. Last of all, verse number 21. Look at that. This is such great. Look, 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 at, look in verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now watch this. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. I love that. I love that. It's the credentials of faith. Do you know that some people make promises they mean well, but they can't keep them? I, I made a promise. Man, I'm sorry. I can't. I don't have it. I can't do it. I can't keep it. Can I tell you three things about God? Number one, God makes promises. Number two, God is able to keep his promises. Wait, the Bible says, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Number three, God wants to keep them. That's the best part. He makes promises. He's able to keep all of his promises. And the best part is, the best part is that, that he wants to keep them. My oldest girl, Dixie, she's just a, such a blessing. She's the head of our history department there in the valley, and just she's walked with God and served God all, all of her life. She's been such a joy to her mother and I. When she was a little girl, she had golden ringlets in her auburn hair, and they just fell down around her shoulders. And I remember she came to me one day, and she was just sort of jitterbugging like kids do. She said, Daddy. So what? She said, guess what, Daddy? I said, what, Dixie? She said, guess what I want. <laughs> okay. What do you want? She said, I want a Cabbage Patch doll. Now, I don't know. You know what a Cabbage Patch? It's horrible. It looks like it's got body mumps. I mean, it looks like a, a colony of white-faced hornets mauled it. I mean, it's swole everywhere. In fact, the head outswells the hair, you know. It's just... It's just there. It's just, actually, actually, people, before they go to the funny farm, they can actually go up to Cleveland, Georgia, through the factory, pick their child out on a conveyor belt, and name it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know who does that. But anyhow, so she wanted a Cabbage Patch doll. I mean, look. I didn't have the money. 36 bucks. Are you kidding me? That was the years that my wife finally refers to as our poverty years. Like we were living in a third world country. No, we were just in the pastorate. But anyhow, so, and by the way, right, that look, we're in the town we were in, Glenville, right down the road from us was the mall. It was the dollar store in Glenville. There's a dollar store down the road. You could, look, I'm thinking to her, I could, for 36, look, for $10, I can buy you a family. I guess your whole family. Mother, father, children, aunt, uncle. I can, get, I can get the whole family. Now, I know, I know they're not the quality 
of, of a cabbage patch. You know, they're the kind you bring home and you lay them over and their eyes closed and you lift them up, their eyes open, you lay them over in their clothes and you lift them up there. And then sooner or later, like not maybe a day and a half, one of the eyes stick. <laughs> so now all of a sudden, you don't just have a baby in the house, you've got a horror story. You get up at night and there's this kid laying on the counter there where she's laid it and there's just one eye staring. They make movies about that kind of stuff. You know, and you, you get up later to go to the restroom and the doll has moved. Nobody's up. Anyhow, so in bes besides that, you know, the head's concave and you can press it in, put a cup in it, it's cup holder, all kind of things. I know it's not the same quality. Grab the arm, run off, kid's left, arm goes with you. I know it's cheap, but I could afford it. Well, she didn't want that. She wanted a cabbage patch. So here's my deal. My deal to her is this. Honey, I'm going to be honest with you. Daddy can't afford that. So why don't you pray about it? And she's like, oh, yes. I said, I will. I will. I'll pray about it. I'm just thinking, this is great. This is God's problem now, not Dean's problem. I'll sleep well. It's fine. Well, the, the next night at our family devotions, we read some scripture, go around the room. It's Dixie's turn to pray. This is the honest truth. So help me. My wife's right there. Dixie. Dixie bowed her head and she said, oh, God. Oh, boy, she's got the, sh you know, she's got the shaky voice. She's, heard, she's been to enough meetings. Now she's got the shimmies in her voice. And she said this with her voice. She said, oh, God, I want a cabbage patch so bad. If you'll give it to me, I'll serve you all the days of my life. And I opened my eyes and looked at my wife. I'm like, man, she's getting a hold of the horns of the altar. She's serious about this. Well, yeah, we, she prayed every family devotion. She wanted the cabbage back. Came to me about three months later, and she said to me, she said, Daddy, guess what? What, Dixie? She said, I'm still praying for a cabbage patch. I'm like, ah! I know. You're driving us crazy. Do you think I've forgotten? You're constantly telling, yes, I know. I didn't say it to her, but I'm thinking, yeah, I do know. I wanted to sit her down on my lap and say, honey, there's wars in the world. There's financial problems. People are battling diseases. There's heart surgery going on as we speak. Has God given you your cabbage patch? No. Why don't you pray for something more serious? But I knew if I said that, it'd break her heart. So I just said, yeah, I know, honey. She kept going through it. November every year, we went and spent time at my sister's house in Cartersville, Georgia. About a four-hour drive. So we, we get up there. We drive in. As soon as I get in the house, my niece, Debbie, says, Dean, can I talk with you? I said, yeah. So we step into a side room, and she says to me, she said, look, I'm always filling out these things at supermarkets and, you know, department stores, you know, my name, put it in the, I don't win anything. I've never, my name has never been drawn for anything. Had a new department store opening up a while back, and she said, I walked past it and said, I'm not going to, and she said, I just felt something say, do this. So I went over, filled it out, put it in. And she said, there was like 20 gifts. There was cookware. There was all kind of stuff. She said, I got a phone call the other day. And the phone call said, Miss Bruce, yes. You filled out one of, a card for our, our grand old. Yes, I did. Well, you've won a prize. Bring some ID and come down. She said, I went down. I'm thinking, <laughs> whoo, I've got cookware or I've, you know, what VCR. I got, I, I won. I finally won. And she said, I went in, and they said, Ms. yes, here's my, here's my ID. They said, well, congratulations. 
And this is exactly what she said. There wasn't a coma, a, 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 a comma. There wasn't a hyphen. There was nothing. She said it in one big sentence. She said, Dean, you're not going to believe it. I want a Cabbage Patch doll. I wondered if I could give it to Dixie. She didn't even, th- she didn't even breathe in. <laughs> Dean, I want a Cabbage Patch doll. I wondered if I could give it to Dixie. I started crying. <laughs> On the spot, I'm just crying because I had been through purgatory, for one. You know, prayer purgatory for one. Number two, I, I knew how much it meant to Dixie, so I'm crying. Well, she's, my daughter is Southern Baptist. I'm an independent Baptist pastor. This is the honest truth. So I'm sitting there crying, and this is exactly what she said. She said, hey, I didn't know y'all had standards against Cabbage Patch dolls. It's exactly what she said to me. I, I had no idea that, that you had some biblical men. And I'm thinking, no, but we give us time, and we'll give us time. We'll find something, I'm sure, there. And I'm, I'm waving her off. I'm like, no, 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 that's not it. So I said, go find Dixie and give it to her. In the back of the house, I heard a little girl go, woohoo! And she come running through the house, jumped up in my arms, holding the ugliest baby I've ever seen in my life. She named him Marvin. I hope there's not a Marvin here. Dude, that baby is ugly. She still got it today. Swelling has never gone down. I mean, horrible looking. But she held the baby up, and this is what she said. Daddy, look what God gave me. And I hugged her neck, and I said, go show everybody. And she took off with her baby, and I closed the door, and I wept again. And I said, dear Heavenly Father, would you forgive me for thinking that you were so small that you couldn't handle the wars in the world and the heart surgeries in the world, and the financial problems in the world, and yet still take care of a little girl's request for a Cabbage Patch doll. And this is the I'm just being transparent. I reached my arms up like this, and I said, if I was big enough to put my arms around your neck, I would hug you for being such a great, big, heavenly father, such a God that you care. Now, this is the truth. Here, here it is. Are you telling me that God can do for her that simple request, but he can't do for you what you need? No, I believe he can. It may be that a giant walked into your valley and is defying your God, mocking your faith. And, and let me tell you something about giants. They don't disappear. They have to be defeated. Forty days and forty nights, he kept coming back. Your giants will not disappear. They must be defeated by faith. Maybe, maybe you had a prayer you prayed a long time ago about a child, wayward kid, something that broke your heart. And you prayed so long and the answer didn't come. And so you took your prayer and you put it up on the shelf. And what I'm saying to you is maybe you need to reach up on the shelf, blow the dust off of it and start praying that prayer again by faith. And believing that God can do in your life what you need God to do. Let's bow our heads, could we? Faith in God. Faith in God. I don't, I don't know what it is that you need God to do, but I know that God can do it. I don't, know, I don't know where God is testing your faith at, but I know this. I know that God is in a constant, He's constantly working in our hearts to stretch our faith.
Is there somebody here that would raise their hand and say, Preacher, if I, I'm going to be honest with you, if I died today, I'm not sure I'm saved. Here's my hand. I, I, I need to have my faith in Christ. Anybody like that, Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me that I'll come to know Jesus as my Savior, that I'll put my faith in Him. All right, however God's challenge you, would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to let the pastor take the invitation. But I, can I just tell you the altars down here are open for you just to come and put on the altar. Whatever God's challenged you with, whatever, whatever storm you're in, whatever heartache you're feeling, whatever it is in your life that you need faith for, God's able to give you that faith. God can do your miracle just like he did that little girl's. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.